We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. This episode is brought to you by Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. Get into your best shape with their comprehensive programs. So sign up now to either their basic package or warrior package with the code PSPKB, all caps, for 15% off. Stay fit this winter with Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. Welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm your host, Nee Wallace Bruce, aka NWB, and I am joined as always by Mr. Corbett Durant. Kobe, how you doing? Doing good, buddy. Doing good. We got a pretty cool interview ahead of us here. Yes, yes, yes. And we're taking it back because when the Pro Sports Podcast has started, we had the pleasure of being involved with the Toronto Six and the NWHL. But things change over time. Things improve. Things grow. And NWHL has a new name, which we're going to get into. But I am very pleased to have on the show a person who you would have seen during the bubble of the NWHL, the former head coach, the current president of the franchise, Digit Murphy. Digit, how are you? I'm absolutely outstanding. Every time I wake up with two arms and two legs and I'm breathing, it's a good day, baby. Yes, you love to see it. Yeah, Digit, uh, I want to get right into it. So we've got this new sort of branding for women's hockey. How did that come about? I think uh, what the former NWHL was about was creating opportunities for women in hockey in the hockey space. It was about getting more viewers on board. And with the new rebrand, what we were trying to do is to create this moniker, No Labels, No Limits. And we, we're trying to formulate a platform where we're just athletes, right? And we want the name to reflect that. There's no woman in the name. It's just, you know, the premier hockey federation. We're trying to create this brand that identifies us as, you know, heroes, leaders, and role models, not just women's hockey players. And the premier hockey federation is going to do that, you know, under the direction of Tyler Tominia, who is just a dynamo. Our commissioner has done things like getting premier sponsors, you know, in the, in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. And this is just another opportunity to show who we are, our owners. Our owners are putting millions of dollars into this product. And now we're gonna take it to another level, not only with a new name, but with the new platform and the new leadership. Nice, nice. I had the pleasure of watching every Toronto Six game last season. <laughs> and the product is is entertaining. It's, it's simply to put it, it's very entertaining. I found the one weakness uh, behind that was identifying with the players people don't really know individual players yet whereas you may be a fan of a team it may take some time to grow the players i think is that a priority of the new branding it's funny how the press always focuses on the negative but that's okay i think that um of course here is the challenges when you have a fledgling league and fledgling meaning it's new 
to the to the universe. Like think about when men's sports started. You know, I remember walking by a sign at Brown University when I was the coach. It was the Yale Brown football game in 1902. That's when the NCAA, you know, real teams started. And you know, you look at pro men's sports, which started in probably the 70s, right? So you're talking 50 years. So we've only been in existence for seven years. So it's a build, right? Yes, we got to get the the message out there from a team perspective. Yes, we have to get the product out there. And it takes time. So of course, we're going to try to get the players known. But that takes energy, that takes resources, that takes media. So yes, that's on the list of massive things to do. And hopefully we will get a situation where we have uh, TV or, you know, things like that, that happened in the future so that we can get the players known more. Awesome. Yeah. Did you, that's, you touched on the growth and that's something that we saw in the bubble. I mean, it was amazing that the, the league was able to adapt and pivot despite what was going on with COVID and the number of cases in North America, as much as within the league itself. But like you said, the commission was able to bring on new sponsors and there was record exposure on Twitch. Do you know if there's any more updates on televising games in Canada in particular? Yeah, I think that it's a situation where TSN has really, I think, uh, you know, they, they want to cover us. I think they've done a great job um, promoting us in the not the game to game ones like, you know, they, they picked up our highlights. And I think that's just a continued growing and developing relationship in Canada, right? I mean, there's other leagues happening right now that the PH, whatever they are, PA, that whole thing. And, you know, it's it's too bad that the two leagues couldn't come together because I, I think that's a blockage. And it's a, it's a tough situation because you we're all fighting for the same thing. And the, the PHF's door is always open. And the only way that you're ever going to get true buy-in to women's hockey is when all the players get together. And I, I celebrate that moment and I will celebrate that moment. And I can't wait for that to happen sooner rather than later. And I think that there's definitely challenges right now with the two groups and that's okay. I mean, that's part of the, it's funny. I, I, I got to tell you this. It's a really funny story. I was down at my mom's house uh, the other day and she pulls out this, um, this article that was written on me back in 1979. March of 1979. And right to the right of it is, I actually have it in front of me. It says, NHL narrowly turns down bid to take in four WHA teams. And the history of that in 1979 was that there was a World Hockey League and there was a National Hockey League and the men were going through this in 1979. So I think instead of like blaming the victim of women, right? They blame women, oh, they can't get together. It was happening in men's hockey in 1979, but we completely disregard that part of history. But we, we turn the lens always to this critical eye of women's sports, and we shouldn't do that. We should embrace the struggle. It's a journey that will be hopefully fixed sooner than later and move on. Don't get involved in the drama. Let's accentuate the positive stuff that the Toronto Six is doing, that our owners are doing, that the PHF is doing, and that's the way to have true leadership grow a movement. Yes. And in, in terms of the movement, just sticking with that, 
you touched on the Toronto Six being a movement. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about that, if you don't mind? Well, you know, it's it's funny, you know, a movement is just a way of marketing product, right? I mean, from day one, we're on a mission. And the mission is to grow women's sports through leadership, using women's sports as a platform, right? For education, empowerment, and inclusion. So talk about the Toronto Six being a movement. It's the same stuff we talked about last year. It's about how do we, and everything I'm talking about in this podcast, how do we get more people to care about women's sports? That's it. It's talking about it in every platform, like podcasts, TV opportunities, branding in the community. When you're just in the coffee shop and you're wearing a Toronto Six shirt, you're educating people about who you are and what you do. Because like I said earlier, men have a 50-year head start in the sports space and they're crushing it, right? They've got billions of dollars in their industry. And we're just, you know, in the in the tiny hundreds of thousands and millions. So we've got a lot of catching up to do. So we need to to brand it as that as who we are. And that's who we are. We're a movement. I like that. And like I guess that's the thing. Once um people can see it, kids can be it, and then the exposure through media means more sponsorship, more growth, more development uh, at youth player level as well. So I can definitely see it. I can see it. It's the growth happening. So I'm looking forward to that. And I want to say one last thing. You know, you talk about see it, be it. I'm curious, and I, maybe people don't know it yet, but I have five black people that we've hired. Talk about see it, be it. And no one has talked about that in any of the stories. And I think it's worth mentioning. And here's why. I believe when leaders are in a position of power, which would be me and this small, this small piece of power that I have as the president of the Toronto Six, and it's, it's pretty small, but we have an obligation as leaders to go out and find the best candidates for our jobs. And if that can have an inclusion component in it, that's even better. And when I took a look at who the people that I was hiring in our organization, we want our organization to reflect the colors in the community. And that's something that more leaders in the workforce need to do, not just in sports, right? I can only be do one thing. But the fact that we've actually had Christy Clark on our staff, and she was a soccer person. She was an NCAA soccer person. She's got an MBA. She's 32 years old. She's a bang-up stud. And the fact that she wasn't in the hockey space, we didn't care about that. We hired the best person. And I morphed our organization around the talent of the people we want. So Christy's doing all the business ops, the ticket sales, you know, she's titled the general manager, but I'm directing the player personnel. So we've actually changed the labels of our organization to make sure we can have this inclusion component. Mark Joslin, our head coach, never coached women's hockey before, but he's a great guy. And with our, you know, kind of togetherness, him and I, we're helping to acclimate him to women's hockey. He's a hockey guy. He's awesome. He hired Angela James, who's a hall of famer. So we have two black coaches. That's it's crazy. Like no one has that. And we have two black players who are tickled to death to have people in leadership positions that they can aspire to be. So these are the kind of things that need to be elevated and promoted and demanded of our culture. And it's not like they, you talk about inclusion, but it's a, it's a tick off the, the chart. It's like, Oh, uh, NHL, like every once in a while, we're going to, we're going to do a, a game or, you know, we're going to commemorate it. Let's continue to push opportunities through the ranks to make sure we're not only hiring women, we're hiring people of color all around the globe. 
that's what true leadership is. And that's what we're doing at the Toronto six. I love that. I love that a lot. You got you get me in the morning fired up, man. No, like that's you what... get me every 9am. You get me at seven. <laughs> I'm like twice as bad. Oh, we love it. Yeah. Here, here. That's, that's awesome to hear. And I mean, it's funny when I think about hockey, I look at it as the Toronto six are currently the only Canadian based team. And hockey is our number one market, whereas in the States, <laughs> that would be football. What's the uh, plans to expand more teams into Canada? Do you know? Um, you know, I, it, you know, it's funny. When I, was, when I was doing the Chinese gig, we had an opportunity back then to pick the, the Canadian Women's Hockey League or the National Women's Hockey League. So we picked the Canadian Women's Hockey League, the CWHL, because hockey was Canada, right? It was something that the Chinese could be like, oh, yeah, hockey, that's in Canada, right? And it's ironic to me now that there's only one team. So I would say, of course, there's there has to be expansion in Canada. I mean, it's Canada's game, right? So, yeah, I mean, I, I find it quite ironic. And again, it goes back to the demise of the CWHL back three, four years ago, which I thought was a waste. I mean, they had 12 years of really awesome progress. And to just in a minute, literally in a minute, like a month, dissolve that was a travesty and a tragedy because you just wasted 12 years. Uh, so it was tough. So I think that hockey is Canada, and I'm looking forward to hopefully having more teams. Right on, right on. And as far as the next season goes, will we see the Toronto Six in Toronto playing, and where would it be? So we have a locker room in York Canlan. It's a uh, a thousand. I think if you put standing room, maybe twelve hundred capacity arena. Our goal would be to get as many people okay. jammed in there as possible. Our season starts uh, November twenty fifth, I believe, uh, home season. We play our first game in Buffalo on November 6th. Our home game isn't until late November. Our games are going to be on uh, Saturdays and Sundays at uh, 1 o'clock. It's all on our website at uh, at, uh, toronto.nwhl.zone, but just Google Toronto 6 Women's Hockey and you'll find it. And, yeah, we want as many people as possible. Right, Right on the campus of York University, it's free parking. You know, we're going to have the whole shebang out there. You know, hopefully lots of kids come out. The Toronto Six, we want it to be an affordable way for families to watch hockey and consume hockey. Uh, season ticket is only like 250 bucks Canadian. And you look at that and it probably, you couldn't go to a Leafs game for 250 bucks, right? So you can go the whole season and come exactly. watch the Toronto Six. So, you know, we want to be a fan-friendly, affordable entertainment product for families. So uh, we want as many people out at the Toronto Six games as possible. Look me up. I will be in the stands. I said that I would be the mascot, but I thought, you know, I, it would be a little too crazy to have the president as a mascot. So I'll be around the stands. So look me up and find Digit Murphy, and I'll have a conversation with anyone that wants to talk about women's hockey. Right on. That's awesome to hear. Hopefully we're there. We'll go live from the actual event. That'll be awesome. Let's go. Let's go. I've got a bow out digit. I have a, uh, a biopsy, go do it. actually. <laughs> go do go you. So, Jesus. Good talking to you. All right. Good talking to you. <laughs> be sure to join the Pro Sports Podcasters Facebook group, where you will be able to interact with the hosts and talk to other sports fans. Now back to the show. All right, Digit. I'm still here, and I've still got a, a few questions. Thanks, Kobe. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Kobe. Nice to see you. So, Digit, you spent time in China. What's the landscape like for hockey in Asia Pacific because I grew up in Asia Pacific so that's always an interest interest to me and 
there's the Olympics coming up in China as well. So interesting to see how things are going out there. Yeah, well, it was interesting. I was hired in uh, actually February of 2017 to go over and have a five-year kind of mission to grow the sport in, in China. And uh, we took that job seriously. And we built out two professional women's hockey teams that would we built out a schedule, we built out a staff, we built the rink in Shenzhen. It was really a great project. And the idea was to get more people more exposed to hockey in China. They had massive resources. It was a blast. And then about, you know, a year into it, they got a little antsy because they didn't win the league in the first year, which I thought was crazy. Everyone like we were in the finals with their team in the first year. And they're like, you don't win, you know, what's wrong with you kind of thing. And I was laughing. <laughs> So we just took a step back and, you know, they wanted to go down to one team. I think they went down to uh, one team the next couple of years. And it was really disappointing that China with our women's professional team didn't have the patience to grow out the model, which was to populate the first generation Chinese team with Asian Chinese Americans and North Americans, and then take the top, top players in China and develop them. So they could be those future leaders for the next team. So it was a build, right? The first five years, you populate it to compete. So people will care because if you don't win and you're terrible, no one's going to care or watch, right? So we tried to, we were going to brand it as, you know, it's, it's funny to say, but if you look at Korea, um, you look at Japan, like it's taken them 12 years to pretty much score a goal on Team USA, right? You think about it, right? Like wow. Korea didn't score any goals. Well, because they don't have a talent pool. They had 291 players when I got there. Mm -hmm. 291, that's it. There's more women playing in a youth league in the US than there are in China. Wow. So the idea was to grow the pool, grow the base based on you know winning. Anyways, we did win in the first year and they ended up blowing it up a little bit. They got a little impatient. I became a board member and then I rolled off the project the year after. So now what we see is they're down to one team. They've got a team over in Russia. Uh, they chose to go there. Um, I think they lost in the finals last year. And if you look at their, unfortunately, their roster, they have very few Chinese players. So what's the landscape in China? I think it's going to be another rebuild. I think they'll hopefully be able to compete in the Olympics and score a goal because I think that that's the, that's the priority. But um, like I talked about earlier with the Toronto Six, this is a build. Women's sports has not been around. And to measure it with the same yardstick as men's is a mistake. So brick by brick, you got to build this thing. And when you get halfway into it, you can't tear it down like the CW because now we got to rebuild again. So it's, it's the lessons that you learn as you grow something. And for me, I feel like Groundhog's Day because I've been in it for 40 years, right? So it's uh, it's just interesting for me to watch it, you know, and sometimes you have to do that and you can't, you just have to let it happen, which is tough, but it is what it is. And I'm happy to still be a part of this. Yeah, for sure. And one thing that I've picked up, Digit, is that you're not only a leader, but you're driven. You don't let obstacles stop you. <laughs> you either, I've heard of this saying, and this is you, you're someone that, you will either get over an obstacle, you will go through an obstacle, or you will get around an obstacle. You will not let it stop you. And you are Ivy League Player of the Year at 
Cornell, they named the award after you <laughs> for MVP. <laughs> you had so many coaching and playing accolades in the NCAA. You've transitioned that to pro leagues. What, I, I guess, this is a simple... It's a simple question, probably a hard one to answer, but what are your keys to success? How do you <laughs> what gets you out of bed with that drive every day? A lot of people ask me that. And I I guess the first it's injustice, right? It's when when you when you, you have to right a wrong. And like I remember <laughs> I was laughing. They're like, Well, what sport, you know, did you play before hockey? And I played baseball and I remember vividly when I was nine, 10 years old, it was, you know, you're talking like the seventies, right? Early seventies. And I was the best player on the baseball field. I was picking the teams at nine and 10. I was hitting it out of the park. I was playing shortstop. I was a stud and they wouldn't let me wear the little league uniform. And I will tell you from that point on, cause my mom wasn't like this person that's going to go down and fight city hall. She's like, Oh, just wait to play softball until you're 12. And I'm like, why, why is this like in my head? I don't even know if I said it out loud, but I was so ticked off that I, it was an injustice. And I think from that point on is when I really knew that I was a girl up until then, like I hadn't been like, you know, I had other than like having to wear a dress to school, which mortified me. I couldn't believe that I had to wear a dress. Like you literally back in the sixties, cause I went to school in 1965, 66 kindergarten, you had to wear a skirt. And you also had to go into a separate entrance as the boys. You had to play on the other side of the playground. It was it was uh, it was separated by a fence. And I think it was these things that just did not up in my mind. And they, to this day, I want to right a wrong. And the, what's wrong is the inequities that exist for women, not just in sport, but for in life. The fact that women get paid still seventy five percent on the dollar. The fact that women, children of women leaders suffer at the hands financially of the dollar being less, like these are the things that have to be fixed. And there are, there are men that are doing it, but there are complicit women that just go along to get along. And we need to, I'm never going to rest. I'll die trying to fix the, the inequities in the world. And, you know, Title IX is just one thing that helps, but there's way more things we got to fix. And it, it, it really starts with getting power and influence for women. And I, I will tell you, I was very successful in a couple of government projects uh, in the 2000s. My partner and I fought a power plant in the 2000s. And it taught me that a movement of people can change things. Mm -hmm. And I think that what happens in our, we give up as people. We don't understand how to mount an attack on bad behavior, which might be government, which may be, you know, a, the evil empire coming into your, your backyard to know to sell you a, a, a bad thing, you know, for the environment. And I think that what I want to do with my leadership skills is every day empower people to say, you can do it. You can change your lot. And I don't know. And the older I get, I got to tell you, the worse it gets. Like, I just want to keep helping people because I know more. So yeah, I think my only, my only problem is I don't, I don't have a large enough microphone and platform to help as many people, but I'll just keep doing what I do every day, man. And thank you for having me on the show. No, no worries. And we appreciate it. We appreciate you coming on. We appreciate the connections that you helped us to get with the NWHL 
in, during the bubble, and we honestly want to be a part of that. Hey, Justin Williams here. Thank you for listening to our segment thus far. If you want to hear more or receive exclusive detailed information, don't forget to follow us on our social medias, such as Instagram at pro.sports.podcasters. You can also get directly involved with us through messaging. See you later. Myself and Kobe, we didn't say it before, but we're, we're both black. We're both visible minorities. Oh. So we, <laughs> <No idea. laughs> we get it. No, no. I, I know it's an audio interview, but we, we get it. We get it as a visible minority how it is and how some things need to be addressed. And in terms of sport, sport has historically been pale, male, and Stale. Nowadays, stale. Yes, you know. So, <laughs> male, male, and stale, baby. Love right. It. So now I'm going on a tangent here, but please do some of the struggles that I'm seeing with hockey in North America and trying to build up the women's game and some of the things they're pushing back against. It reminds me of South Africa. I'm not South African, but I know the history of South Africa and the football scene, the, the soccer. They had separate federations because of apartheid, and the blacks and the coloreds were trying to build up their federations, but they were coming up against so many obstacles, obviously. So it reminds me of that in a sense. My, my support is there. I, I definitely get it. What, you can relate. Well, we need exactly. more. Well, what your podcast can do is continue to, to get more guests and get more people together, like-minded. And, you know, and, and there's, there's so many men, white men that get this. And, you know, our owners are white men that get it. And that's why it's not just about women. It's not just about people of color. It's about everyone working together and uniting with a common goal and mission, no matter what color you are. Right. And unfortunately, it's been in sport, it's mostly been an elite group of people who have money. And that's why I talk about money, power, and influence. We need more people that are women, black, brown, colors, whatever of the rainbow, we need more people making money because money is the only way that we're going to get control. And the power with the problem with women is that we always take a little bit of a, a lesser path, not all of us, but some of us, it's like, oh, you know what, I'm not going to make as much money, I'm going to stay home with the kids, which is fine. But what happens is we give up a piece of our influence and our power, because unfortunately, these days, it is about the money. So we need more people and minorities making money to do the right thing. And that's the secret. And you use sports as the platform, in my mind. I don't know. It's the way I think. No, I, it's it's a salient point because you look at the recent Summer Olympics and the Winter Olympics are just around the corner. Sport unites people. And sport yep. is something that many of us can identify. or oh, it brings us together, if you will. So it yeah. definitely can be used as a vehicle. I've seen it so many times in history where sport has has been a unifier like that, particularly in times of adversity. So I guess I have a couple of questions on the back of that. The first is, the three of us on the show, we're male. How important is it, or what are some things that males can do as allies for the growth of women's sport, in your opinion? I mean, it's it's pretty much, it's simple. It's actually buying tickets to games. It's caring. It's sharing every you know situation that you can, as far as like, sharing your power and influence it's mentoring um women it's respecting women i mean so much about the world is really about respect right it's oh my god don't make fun of it because it's a it's a women's sport embrace it 
and build it and help it grow because what men don't understand or they what they do understand probably is that we're better together like men and women are better together we're we're i think separately you know we're not good like we we shouldn't be separated we should be together there's a yin and yang that goes along with men and women that needs to it needs to happen and by women fighting men and men fighting women or you know being on the polar opposite of the spectrums anywhere is not something that's ever going to get us to where we want to be which is a successful society so as far as men make sure you're taking your daughters to games which they already do probably but also talk about why it's important spend money on not just you know your daughters like give give your daughters an opportunity to be who they are especially if they want to cut their hair short or you know play sports like that's what my parents gave to me as a gift they didn't care that i didn't want to wear a dress they didn't care that i wanted a bat instead of a barbie doll and that's what you can give to your daughters and your sons, right? It's the same thing with your sons. If they want to wear a dress and play with a Barbie doll, let them because they're just people. So I think as far as, I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but I just think it's so crucial to just respect each other and care about each other. So, but you got to buy some tickets, man. You got to buy some tickets. <laughs> we'll be there. And as Digit mentioned, you can find the Toronto Six at, at York throughout the season. The season faces off in November. So make sure if you're in the GTA that you are at the Toronto Six because it is the hottest ticket in town. Now, yeah, baby. Digit, I have a question in relation to, you touched on girls watching the game. And as someone who's been involved in the sport for so long, would you agree that girls who play sports often can uh, go on to become great leaders? And that's why we need to see more women in sports? given that this can translate to the boardroom as well in the future? Yeah, well, there's a huge correlation between sports and elevated leaders. If you look at the statistics, there are 94%, I believe, of women in executive leadership who played sports, okay? And I think that's just a huge number. And I think that as, and, and this is why, right, athletes, they power through adversity. Mm. They're used to being on a team. I, I remember when I was at Brown, I used to be like, this is adversity training. You know, we'd be like skating them until they puked. I mean, that's like back in the day. Like, you know, if you did that now, you'd probably be brought up on charges. But we talk about what empowers athletes to do it. It's that they have to get up every morning and carry their bag to the rink. I don't even know if sometimes I have the wheels on them now, but <laughs> I remember like, my my daughter played in high school and she was up at 5 a.m. I actually just pulled up a um I just pulled up a, a stat and 94% of women executives have a background in sport and mm. almost half participated in the university levels. 80% of women Fortune 500 executives have played competitive sports. 74% of all executives believed playing sports helps a woman progress faster. 61% of women executives who responded to this survey of uh, Ernst and Young believe playing sports contributed positively to their career success and advancement. And a lot of that is because the institutions that have been created, corporate, have been created by stale, pale, and male, they have this these levels of chain of command and adversity that women athletes are used to. They're used to being yelled at by their coaches, right, right wrong, or indifferent. They're used to being in this high-paced, high-powered environment where 
pucks are flying, like you're getting hit by pucks, you're getting hit in the face with a stick, you know, in hockey, you know, your coach is yelling at you, not me, I don't yell, um, but your coach is yelling at you to play better, you're getting called for a penalty, you can't swear and give someone a two-hander over the head or you're going to be in trouble. And all these things, all these experiences as women athletes build up into this tolerance of, of adversity. So that's why employers want more women in their in their organizations because they're true leaders and they're they're winners. And you know you can't say that for all of them, but for a majority of them uh, that finish sports and finish at the top, it's pretty powerful. And these athletes are really, really, really important to the future. No doubt about it. Now, did you say you don't yell at your players? <laughs> well. I don't, I always say I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling with you. Ah, okay. So it's interesting. I, I, I went through a period early in my career at Brown where I was just, uh, I was Bobby Knight, right? Bill Parcells. Like that's who your role models were. Mm. And I'm not apologizing for that behavior, but I am apologizing for some of the players that I just took out at the knees at every point that you can, because that's all you know. And I think after I left Brown, I involved, I evolved incredibly as a coach because I was able to coach kids and I was able to coach adults. So I kind of ran the gamut. Like I coached all the way from U5 all the way up to U18. Then I coached the college age and then I coached the pros. So I really have dabbled in all different areas of coaching. And the common thread is that people are people and they need to be respected that I found. And they need to have fun when they play sports. And as a coach, you make decisions every day to either be positive or be negative in your feedback to your players. There is a time when you have to be negative, but it has to be said and, and exhibited to these players in a non-threatening, non-hurtful way. And there's ways to do that. And that's my secret sauce. We'll be on another podcast. We'll do that on how to how to motivate your athletes without you know taking them off the knees. But my whole thing about fun, fast, and furious and you be you and you lead, guide, and direct people is the way to go in the future for coaches. And I think it's a it's a female way of coaching. And I think that there needs to be more women involved in leading in leading in general because I don't think we need to tear each other down to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. You know, I completely agree with that. And it's something that you love clearly. It's something that you're passionate about. So, one thing I wanted to ask was I wanted you to tell our listeners about the free hockey methodology? Well, I touched on it earlier. And it's something that I kind of developed back when I left Brown. And it was like, release yourself from the shackles of coaches that are always uh, telling you what to do, right? And I always say, lead, guide and direct the energy. And free hockey is more about you be you, Let's figure out places where you can gain success based on your skill set. It's kind of like we talked about when we hired Christy. She wasn't a hockey person, but she had these successes that she had. So let's put her in there and let's figure out another person who could do the player personnel. It's the same thing on the ice. It's like, okay, I'll give you an example. Uh, Michaela Grant Mentis, mm-hmm. great center, great center, unbelievable center, but a center has responsibility in the D zone that didn't allow her to do what she does best, which is score goals. Because the centerman always has to be doing a lot of lateral movement, a lot of coming down low, helping out defensively, 
is usually the last person in the zone as a result of where they are on the ice when the puck transitions onto offense on the breakout. So we shifted her to wing because, you know, I, I don't know, it was just something that we did, right? And it ended up hitting pay dirt because it gave her less responsibility in the D zone and more ability to do what she could do great, which was score goals. And then if she's the last one out of the zone, it is what it is. It's okay. She doesn't have to be the person that's constantly getting back. So we, we change her position. So that's an example of free hockey, which is figuring out how to not shackle you with things that are going to deter you, but actually make you free to be who you are as a hockey player and as a person. And I know it sounds kind of hokey, but it kind of works if you just think about the mindset of, of using that in, in anything. It's in, it's in the way that you build your organization. It's in the way you build a hockey team. And don't be always so negative, like be free flowing. And it, it, I know it sounds like very like granola, California, but I'm telling you with women's hockey, especially in the professional realm, it freaking works if you have the right players on the bus with the right attitude. Mm -hmm. Right. And with everyone having the same attitude, that's the tide that lifts the boats. Everyone improves. Correct. Everyone's pushing each other to get better. And that's where the growth and the success happens. I, I'm guessing. Yeah, and it and it happens in the recruiting process, mm. and that's that's where it all starts. Because if if you're only picking players based on their stats, then you're not going to be successful as an organization because you have to pick the right people. Like you know, I mean, I watch Bill Belichick all day long with the Patriots, and he's the master at getting people to buy into his system, which is you know probably very opposite of ours, right? It's probably has a lot of punitive stuff going on, but for him, it works because mm. he's got the right people in the organization. So as a leader, your job, when you pick people in your organization is to make sure you're picking them based on the mission, the movement. And they actually have this, like the way I looked at it was you're already a great hockey player, but now do you have that mental capacity to play within our movement style, free hockey methodology? That's the way we do it. And Mark, our coach is totally bought in. He loves it. So, you know, when I hire a coach, that's another thing. He has to be open to that. It would never work if it was just a total guy that was, you know, like you were saying, stale, pale, male that just cares about the stats and winning a hockey game. That's not going to work because we want to do great things here, not just be great hockey players. We want to be great people. Yeah. And like we said, sport can be a, a vehicle for society as a whole. So yeah, that's definitely the move to not only have good players, good coaches, good administrators, but good human beings. <laughs> yeah. It should really be an ideal for everyone, but surprisingly not everyone is on board with that. Now, Digit, we can find you on Twitter at Digit Murphy. Did you have any other social medias that you would like to share with our audience or any other organizations? Yep. We are at the Toronto six spelled out. The T-H-E, Toronto, S-I-X. On everything except for Instagram, we're at the Toronto dot six. But that's how you can find us. You need to get on our website. Just Google Toronto Six Women's Ice Hockey. Buy a ticket. Buy a fan face. If you can't, like, you know, when you say, what can the men do? Support us. Buy a fan face for, you know, 125 bucks. And that puts your face in the stands. And that goes toward operational monies to our, toward our program. And, and just really care. If you care about it, if you watch us on Twitch, which will be, I, I believe that'll be our platform, 
buy a sweatshirt, buy merch. We have really great merch, by the way. Real Hip does a nice job. Really, really nice, well done stuff. Not that expensive. You know, just support us. I have people talking about it. We have one of the best logos, if not the best in the, the, the PHF. Mm. I love our logo. And, you know, just support us. That's it. Brick by brick, man. We're going to build it. So thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, no, it was great. And we, we loved it. So we'd love to have you back on if, if you're available in the future. And yep. we'll talk more. Check out the show notes for additional information on today's podcast, as well as links to our social medias and a link to the Pro Sports Podcasters website. It's the first link on the list where you can find the email sign-up. Be the first to know about upcoming special events, as well as qualify for the giveaways with the Pro Sports Podcasters.